Hi, you're listening to 48 Minutes, and this is Tim Kittrow from NBA Jam. Ooh, boom shakalaka. You wanted to come with it, done it, we got her with punishment. Y'all can just stop with it, but they hear what we come to win. Others in love with the front of this family, just running it. Long as the public is coming, then we keep them loving it. And welcome to 48 Minutes, Episode 3. I am one of your hosts, Alex Derrickson, joined this week, as always, by Tim Daniel. Hey, pal. Sean Mackey. What's up? And from SB Nation Hot Hot Hoops, Diego Quezada. How are you doing, man? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. I mean, got to take time out of your schedule and everything. We, we, <laughs> we very much appreciate it. I am very happy to be on. Thank you. That is That is excellent. How are you doing? I'm doing well, excited about the year. You know, I think we're at this point in the summer when, you know, all the free agents have been signed. I don't, I mean, like, I remember when it was like, is Kyrie Irving going to get traded? But that was like weeks ago by now. So we're just all (laughs) waiting for the season to get started. I just, yeah. I don't know how you all felt about that. That seemed like it came out of nowhere. Well, I'm sure we'll touch on that in just a second, because this is 48 Minutes. It does post each and every Friday on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, Thursday night, Friday morning. It's one of those two things. You'll you'll see it in your your phones and your computers. If you like it, go to 48minutesnetwork.com, where you can listen to all of our other episodes we've done, and a few bits of housekeeping before we get started. Like I mentioned, the website, we have a whole bunch of new articles up. Uh, We've got Taylor writing about Melvin Bagley reclassifying and going to Duke. Uh, there's a WWE 2K18 roster reveal as part of 48 Minutes Games. Also, there's NBA Live 18 demo footage. Uh, I wrote a scathing opinion article about LeVar Ball and why I think I described him as a cancer. Uh, Tim has an article about summer pickup games, and by the time you hear this, you should be able to read Sean's top 10 to watch games of this season. Uh, also, new podcasts are up. Uh, the first episode of Court Stormers, where Tim and Taylor sit down with Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati Hall of Famer Shannon Miner, and a new episode of Dropping Balls with Tim and Ben, where they go through the 1998 draft. Now that that's over with, thank you for your patience. Let's talk some motherfucking Miami Heat basketball. <laughs> and Diego, that is your cue that you were totally allowed to swear on this show. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so, forty-one and forty-one to end the season, ninth in the East. Uh, probably the best finish of a second half I've ever seen in NBA history. Uh, in terms of like doing a full one eighty, uh, Spolster was a coach of the year candidate, which was a fun little hashtag. Alex was right moment for me back in the corner three days. Uh, so, how are you feeling? Can, do you think you can not to reference another Florida team, but do you think you can keep the magic alive? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think that the season was very interesting. In fact, I don't know if you all saw the um, Dion Waiters players, tri- the players Tribune column that he posted after the um, regular season ended, and I think it was titled something that only Dion Waiters could have. Like, the NBA is lucky I'm sitting home writing damn articles and not in the playoffs, but he actually said that he talked to Kevin Durant before the Heat went on their run and said, you know, we're about to go on a big run. And then KD said, well, we're going to come to uh, South Beach in a couple weeks. And he was like, well, we've got that game. And then we all know how that game ended with Dion Waiters. And it's so funny because in that essay, Dion Waiters said that when he got the ball at the top of the key, 
six seconds left. He said, F overtime, I'm going to take it. And, you know, no one has as much confidence as Dion Waiters. But, I mean, it speaks to something that I think is true, which is Eric Swolster was really building these habits with this new team, a lot of young players, a lot of players who were really on, you know, the scrap heap. You have guys like Dion Waiters, guys like James Johnson, players who haven't really found their niche in the NBA until last season, until the second half of last season. And they were able, of course, to parlay those into very nice contracts. Um, so I think I'm good. Uh, you know, you started the offseason with Pat Riley really trying to get Gordon Hayward to come. It seems like it was clear that the Heat were always just a pawn in Gordon Hayward's mind. He was either going to go back to uh, the Jazz or go buddy up with his former coach and go to the Celtics. He obviously chose the Celtics. But Pat Riley decided to just give this team another uh, roll of the dice. And I think, you know, a lot of people say, you know, the Heat missed the golden opportunity to tank. They could have gotten a top 10 pick. They could have gotten, uh, you know, a really good player in the draft. But um, I think, you know, there are two ways to build a championship team. You can either go the route of, you know, drafting really well and being bad and lucking out on getting that once-in-a-generation talent, or you can um, be a good team and be ready to make that trade when a superstar becomes um, available, I guess. So I think it seems like Pat Riley has said, you know, we're going to go forward with this team one more year, see how it goes, and if, you know, a Kyrie Irving, if someone else becomes free, we're going to look into any options that we can. So I think at the very least, we'll have a team that's going to play hard, that's going to play with energy, that's going to play with intensity. And, you know, I, I, I felt, you know, watching the Heat in their 30-11 and 11 finish, that they were a fun team to watch. Uh, you know, they weren't the Golden State Warriors, they weren't going to beat everybody. But they were fun to watch, and even you know before that run, they were always they they always played hard. So I think it's it's going to be a good year. I I think a good goal for them could be one of the top four seeds in the East. I think you know with people talking about Paul George leaving, uh, you know people are now talking about maybe this might be LeBron James's last season as a Cleveland Cavalier. Who knows? Who thought we'd be saying that just a couple years ago? Uh, but the East is 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 weak, and I think it's a prime chance for you know these up and coming teams to maybe take a leap forward. So Diego, um, I don't know if you knew this or not. Coming on this show, we um, we say former now, our former Chicago Bulls fans. We don't claim it anymore. We're done. Um, <laughs> so you talk about that forty one forty one finish, that ninth seed in the East. Well, unfortunately, the Chicago Bulls stole that spot from you, and they didn't deserve it. So. My question to you is: We had this debate, we had this discussion where I thought the Heat deserved better. I thought the Heat should have had that eight spot. Um, I thought it would have been really funny for them to get that spot over Dwayne Wade, honestly. But mm-hmm. what was your take on the NBA in that situation, having a situation like that where the Bulls and Heat have the same record, won the same amount of games against each other in the regular season, potentially having a one-game playoff for that eight seed, like the baseball route? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just so many things with the NBA. I mean, how how long have people been talking about, you know, the East and the West? It's the conference imbalance. You can look at something like the length of the regular season, 82 games. 
Um, and, you know, this year, finally, we're having something done, which is that the season is starting about two weeks early. Uh, but we know that a lot of people have said that the NBA season shouldn't be 82 games. Um, and I think some people thought maybe with Adam Silver coming in, a little bit more of a forward-thinking guy than David Stern, that he was going to maybe tinker around with some of the rules of the game. But ha- if you actually look in the grand scheme of things, not a lot has been done. And I think, you know, when you look at something like the Miami Heat last season and the way they finished, one thing that I think is interesting is they actually had a plus-minus rating of about one point. So meaning, on average, they beat um, opponents by one point, even accounting for... Uh, the first half of the season and some people have said that the plus minus of of the team is actually a better a better predictor of the value of a team than actual the win-loss and I think that was actually better than the Oklahoma City Thunder team that had the MVP and went to the playoffs in uh, the Western Conference um, so yeah, so it, I, I, I felt, I mean, it seemed like a lot of people who I follow, a lot of people who were following the game really did think that it seemed like just the heat deserved a chance, but it just seems like, you know, you look at any issue that, um, the NBA is dealing with when you have really innovative ideas being thrown around and it just seems like even with someone like Adam Silver, uh, it's hard to just get a big institution like the NBA with all the owners to think about anything, whether that's tanking, whether that's seating, whether that's conferences. It just seems like there's a lot of reticence to any change. All right, Diego, I have kind of a two-part question. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're going to cycle back to some hashtag fake trade rumors. (laughs) Kyrie Irving, we're going to cycle back to that, but um, I want to talk a little bit about Bam Adebayo's Summer mm-hmm. League. Mm-hmm. He was hella good. What are you expecting <laughs> from him? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And um, what's your second part? Well, well yeah. my second part, well, okay. I'll, get to, I'll get to the second part <laughs> after we get to... The, the, the second part is how fun is it to save Bam Adebayo? That's, that's <laughs> really what it was. That, that was it. No, we'll get to the second part, but let's... Let's just talk about Bam and his summer league for just a second. What did, what did you think of him? What are you expecting? What are your expectations for this this rookie? Because I think he was a steal at the 14th pick. I, I You know, it's very interesting, um, Adebayo as the 14th pick, and a lot of people during the draft were actually very confused by the pick because they thought, you know, why would he use a lottery pick on a center, on someone who... You know, I guess if you're the Miami Heat, you hope that Hassan Whiteside can be your franchise cornerstone. You hope that he can be, you know, the third best player on a championship team. Uh, And so why would you use a uh, lottery pick on someone who can probably play only about 15 or 20 minutes? But I think what you saw in the summer league, and I told a friend of mine this, I was just texting him, that he almost reminded me a little bit of Chris Bosh the way that he is so athletic, he can run the floor like a guard, he could block shots, and he even showed a little bit of a shooting touch. And I think that's the key is, if he can develop a reliable jump shot, then it opens the floor for possibilities of playing both Adebayu and Hassan Whiteside together. And I think that can really unleash a lot of really good things for the Heat. 
So I'm expecting a lot of good things. I'm expecting him to have a great season. I don't know if he'll start. I think the Heat might start James Johnson, but I definitely expect him to be an integral part to the Heat. And I could see him, you know, hopefully um, averaging around 15 points, eight boards, hopefully a couple blocks. But I think the key for him is to see how good his outside game becomes because if he can really do that, then you can really um, play to the strengths of both Hassan Whiteside and him. And, you know, if you look at the Miami Heat roster right now, you have uh, Hassan Whiteside, who's probably your best player. Um, You have Justice Winslow, who is really um, a bit of an interesting case coming off a very injury-plagued year. Um, we know that at least in his first two NBA seasons, he didn't have a jump shot to speak of, but he has a lot of good tools. He can handle the ball. He can play defense. Um, he can make really nice cuts to the basket. So he can be a really good player. So we just have to see how all these players mesh. But I think I'm seeing a lot of good things about out of Bam, and I think he had a good summer league, and hopefully it'll just be he'll hit the ground running once he has to put on it an NBA jersey. I agree. Bam's a workhorse too, and he was so awesome at Kentucky. So I am totally expecting him to be awesome in Miami. Now, second part. Okay, they they draft Bam. Mm-hmm. And Kyrie Irving is up for grabs right now. Okay. Now here's my here's my fake trade rumor proposal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gordon Drogic and Hassan Whiteside. Now Wait, I know what you're thinking. Not Hassan. Yeah. But Hassan for Irving and Tristan Thompson. Mm-hmm. Would you do that deal? Hmm. With Bam now. You got Bam. He's young. You know. And you you take that chance. And, Kelly and and you got and you got Kelly O'Linick. Yeah, and you have him for a few years too. Yeah. Um so do you know if that trade works out in the salary cap rules and everything? It does. It, it does. does. Okay. I checked it out. And okay. you just gained one Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we want that. I don't... That's a... <laughs> a any case, um, that is an interesting, an interesting trade. Um, you know, it's interesting in the sense that it does give Cleveland a... Young, although he's not super young now, I think. No, he's not. Right. Yeah, he's twenty-eight. He's, he's twenty-eight, so I guess he's right at his prime. Yeah, and I'm sure Cleveland—they're trading a twenty-five-year-old superstar or star, pro- probably is what he is. Um, I'd have to think about that. Um, I can. It's a tough say one, isn't it? It's a tough one because you're putting. I mean, I don't. It, I'll say this. It sounds like a trade that the Heat would be more likely to do in midseason than they would do now because Bam Adebayo, as promising as he is, is still a rookie. And whether you want to put all of those marbles in a rookie who has yet to play an actual NBA game is a very, very big risk. You even look at Hassan Whiteside. He had to have a year and a half of being around the Miami Heat culture to play up to that spot where he got to be, which is actually kind of fascinating when you look at someone like Pat Riley. Pat Riley 
in the summer of uh, 2016, it is, actually valued Hassan Whitehead more than Dwayne Wade. Now, and of course, you can say from a rational perspective, it makes total sense. You know, Hassan Whiteside is young. Dwayne Wade is, you know, at the end of his NBA days. Of course, he would choose um, Hassan Whiteside. But on the other hand, you could say, you know, you're really going to take someone who was, you know, pretty much out of the league just a couple years ago, who, uh, you know, was kicked to the curb by the Kings who were desperate for NBA quality talent, who he said was just, you know, uh, playing basketball um, on the street uh, just a few years ago versus the face of your franchise. Uh, but even him, he needed to really show that he was serious. Um, I think he was in real danger of becoming an Andrew Bynum type of player, someone who's very talented, but it just seems like didn't really want to play basketball or want to play it as much as some of the other guys. Um, so I think that's a trade that Pat Riley might be more willing to entertain into the season if, you know, Bam is really just you know, tearing up the league. And he really looks like he could be a starting caliber NBA center. And it puts Pat Riley's mind and being like, okay, well, maybe, although we signed Hassan Whiteside to this big contract just a couple of years ago, maybe he could do it. And I think you'd also have to see how it goes from the Cavaliers vantage point. You know, I just, I, I just think it'll be so interesting when, and I think this will happen when a journalist will ask LeBron James about Kyrie Irving laughing as Steph Curry is mocking him doing his <laughs> workout videos. It just seems like, can this really happen? All of the leaks coming out about, you know, Kyrie Irving does not want to play in LeBron's shadow. He's tired of being the little brother. And it's coming to a point where people are saying it's actually very plausible that they'll play together on opening night um so <laughs> yeah so i can't it, wait to see that either <laughs> so it's, it's just it's it's like something it's just so absurd um but i mean we'll have to see uh i i'll definitely i definitely think that the cavaliers should get as much as they as much as they can get out of this Kyrie irving trade because if you're gonna trade someone who's 25 years old who's as talented as he is, you need to get as much as you can. And I think this putting Hassan Whiteside in the trade does change the equation a little bit because he is, uh, you know, an all-star level talent. Um, but then you look at some of the other teams that are um, thinking about offering something for Kyrie Irving. So we'll have to see. But like I said, I think what I'll have to say is you know, if Bam, you know, really impresses everyone in the league, then I think you might see that happen. But I think right now, um, I think the answer is no. And I think uh, with Kyrie Irving still not having been traded, I think it's an it's an indication that perhaps those trade talks are on hold for now. Now, given the talent migration of everyone moving from east to west the best if you said Cleveland should get the most they can for Kyrie Irving. So based off recent trade history and what we've seen this summer, that's Victor Oladipo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're in a bizarre time in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's now been traded 
uh, like twice in two years and uh, traded uh, in, in, with trades involving Serge Ibaka and now Paul George. So, yeah, I mean, on the one hand, you know, it, it maybe says that Oladipo, you know, he he's a good player, but he has been traded twice in the last two years. But, I mean, who who knows what's going to happen? I mean, no one saw this coming. Who knows how it's going to end? Uh, yeah. So, uh, do you think, how, how do you see Bam and Hassan and, like, Olenek and Bam and Olenek and Hassan and, like, that combination of, of the new additions plus Hassan Whiteside, how do you see them playing together? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I think, basically, this is a very interesting conversation especially when you talk about James Johnson, who was just signed to a four-year deal. And he really excelled for the Heat as that sixth man. He had to be the starter because Luke Babbitt, who was starting for them, uh, went down late in the season. But he was good for them because he is also a very good point forward. And because the Heat don't really have a prototypical backup point guard behind Goran Dragic, he was really doing a lot of the ball handling when Dragic went to the bench. So I think what you might see happen, um, and this is in, in sort of keeping with Spolstra, uh, you know, sort of similar to how he started Babbitt, I think he will start Olenek. Um, so you'll have a starting lineup of Dragic, Waiters, um, Justice Winslow, I think, will will start at the three. And then you'll have Olenek and Hassan Whiteside. And I think the the idea with Olenek is to give Hassan Whiteside a stretch four. Um, and one area that Hassan Whiteside has really worked on with the Heat coaching staff has been his ability to pass outside of the post before he would, like, never pass the ball. And now it's still an area that uh, there is definitely room for growth from, but he's doing that more often. Um, and I think... Um, James Johnson will come in as the backup four and you'll see Bam Adebayo work as a backup five but I think you could also see some lineups where for instance he's the five and James Johnson is the four or he and Olenek play as the four and the five Um, I think you could see that happen and you'll pretty much see the three of them uh, that is Hassan Kelly, Olenek, and James Johnson all cycle um, as sort of the power players for the Heat. Um, And I think uh, ideally you'd like to get as many minutes from Bam as possible. Um, And maybe that'll happen as a backup five. I mean, Whiteside does get into foul trouble. Sometimes it's something that happens with centers who play defense who want to block shots but sometimes they go for the block that maybe they shouldn't go for but I think ideally you'd like to play some minutes where Bam and Hassan Whiteside are to are together but like I said at the outset the key for that would really be if Bam can shoot because if he can't shoot and especially if you would have Justice Winslow on the court then you really uh, are operating a lineup that has three players who cannot shoot, which in today's NBA is just unheard of. You can't get away with that. Sure. So Diego, general question here is we're talking about moving forward. Um, like you mentioned a couple times now, there's a lot of discussions about 
LeBron potentially leaving Cleveland. As we know, the first time he did, he went to go play for your beloved Miami Heat. Start this big three trend. It was kind of cool, I guess. Um, so my question to you in this situation is, I know he's going to be 33. I know him and Pat Riley had a really bit of a rough ending, if, you're, if you've read Return of the King and uh, Wendy's book that he wrote. But if the situation comes where he does, in fact, opt out like is expected, could you see... Miami, Spolstra, and, and Riley trying to make a run to bring number six back to South Beach? I don't think so. I think um, there was a little bit of of conversation about this when LeBron made an Instagram post when he was back on South Beach. He had a picture of the American Airlines arena and saying, you know, a lot of good ma- uh, memories here or something like that. Um, and some people thought, oh, is he trying to say something? And I just think that, A, with the Heat's salary cap locked up for the next few years, with them locking down Dion Waiters, James Johnson, etc. Um, B, with, as you mentioned, the sort of frayed um, relationship between uh, him and Pat Riley, it just seems like it will not happen. Now, do I think Pat Riley will make a phone call out of a courtesy, out of someone, because, you know, whenever there's a superstar out there, Pat Riley probably does make a call? Yes. But do I think it's really a possibility? No. I think if there's anyone who would come back, it would probably be Dwayne Wade, uh, but that's a totally different situation. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm not saying it. It's just... I mean, he said in his letter that he 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 almost felt of like going to the Heat was like going to college for four years and really learning about how to win and how to be a champion. And I think what he is trying to do now, and I think this is one way to possibly look at his NBA career, is his uh, legacy. I mean, that's what he's really concerned about is in giving the player power over the owners and sort of flipping the script. And so by signing these one-year deals with the Cavaliers or by going to the Lakers or going to the Heat, he's really showing how the player can control um, his destiny instead of the other way around when the owners or the GMs are, are the ones who are trading the players. Um, so I think that's sort of one way to look at his um playing uh days well let me ask you this so when we look back mm-hmm. on it because obviously the four years he was there he accomplished a lot mvp two nba championships two finals mvps um i assume that you probably believe that when his time is done when he does retire whenever his cyborg body decides it's over i don't know when that's <laughs> going to be um you you gotta assume that he they will retire six right he will have a legacy as a miami heat all-time great Absolutely. I think considering the Heat are going to put number one Chris Bosh in the rafters, considering everything that happened with Chris Bosh and Pat Riley, with you know Chris Bosh wanting to play uh, from his blood clots in his lungs and Pat Riley saying no, and you know Chris Bosh pretty much making a documentary series, uh, pretty much bad-mouthing Pat Riley, saying he was basically saying all the Heat doctors said that my playing days were over and the Heat gave up on me, and yet that still ended amicably. 
I think there's absolutely no question that Pat Riley will make the call. I mean, you know, what happened with Shaq? And Shaq, you know, calling out Pat Riley, him saying that Steve Nash was the best guard he had ever played with after he got traded to the Phoenix Suns. There were a lot of burnt bridges with Shaq, and he did far less for the Heat than James did. So I have to think, yes, number six will be going up in the rafters, just like Chris Bosh, just like Shaq, just like Dwayne Wade will. So I have a couple more. I know Sean's got a couple more. Mm-hmm. Who, who is missing from this Heat roster? So basically what I've been asking people that when we have them on here is if Adam Silver showed up at your door and said, Diego, you now run the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. You cannot select any of the top 20 NBA players, but you can pick anyone else, 21 on down. Mm. Who do you pluck to fill whatever you think the biggest hole on, on this Heat ship is? Well, that's an interesting question, because if you were to ask me what the Heat are missing, I would tell you it's a superstar. Um, Too bad. <laughs> yeah, because because that's what's He's not wrong. wrong. Yeah, because I think... I think if you really want to get into the Miami Heat, like I said at the outset, Hassan Whiteside is the player who you want to be the third best player on a championship team. But you need the first option on a championship team, and you need a second player on a championship team. So I guess my question to you would be, who's the 21st player on that list? Like, who is the best player who I can take? And that would be my answer. Uh, Last year, almost everyone universally selected Paul Millsap. <laughs> well, I think the Heat are a few pieces away, not just one. Yeah, I mean, well, I think I, I think you need a, a a first option and you need a second option. Uh, they are a few pieces away, no doubt about it. What what they are right now is a team that could be a middling Eastern Conference playoff team. I think, like I said, a good goal for them would be one of the top four slots in the East. I think. realistically, they could probably shoot no more better than the four seed. Um, I think the three is even getting to be quite a stretch. Um, Deion Waiters just threw his radio out of his car. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the one thing with Deion Waiters, and uh, if if this is true, uh, then then you'll all have to credit me for this, but uh, I think... You know, Chauncey Billups was someone who was not known as the player who he ended up being. He was sort of like Dion Waiters and someone who was drafted pretty highly, but bounced around the league a little bit. And then he really found his niche. Now, I don't think Dion Waiters can be as good as Chauncey Billups was. I think Chauncey Billups was way more disciplined as an NBA player sure. than Dion Waiters is, but... Uh, there was a stretch of games, about 20 games during the Heat's run, when Dion Waiters, yes, he would shoot like 6 for 18 a night, but he would um, be that sort of safety valve offensive option for the Miami Heat that lost D. Wade uh, because he could, you know, when you need a basket and he has a ball and there are five seconds left on the shot clock and sometimes it would go in. Um so I think the hope is that he can be a you know somewhat reliable um, two guard for the Heat, 
but can he be a top, you know, first or second option on an NBA championship team? I don't think so. Um, so yeah, so I, I do think they are a few pieces away. Um, but you know, I, I guess I would have to go with Paul Millsap then if, if that's the case. Cause, <laughs> well, cause, cause Sports Illustrated's 21st was Damian Lillard. So if that's the list. Okay. Well, oh, if, if, if they could get Damian Lillard, I would choose him because I think he's just a top 30 (laughs) because no, because I think Damian Lillard could potentially be a second option on a championship team. And he is someone who can explode for 45. Um, And they need someone who can do that. Um, The championship, the championship teams aside from the 04 Pistons all had that guy. And with the Golden State Warriors, just, stockpiling talent with you know the Rockets Daryl Morey saying you know it's an arms race and this is why we're doing things like trading for Chris Paul um, and why they may get Carmelo Anthony Uh, with all of these teams trying to stockpile talent you need to find one of the best players so if they could get Damian Lillard I would choose him Sorry to take your uh, take your thunder away, Alex. No, you're fine. You're fine. That, that's totally. Thank you for having that at the ready. Yes, he he's like, who's number twenty? And I'm like, I know ten players. <laughs> <laughs> so my last question for you, Diego, before before I hand the reins over to Sean here. Now, Tim mentioned we are we are ex Bulls fans. We're kind of in NBA purgatory. Uh, we we don't we're not we're not dating any teams. We you know we're. <laughs> We're, we're rubbing the shoulders, we're kissing the necks, you know. Speed you know, dating. All, all that. Yeah, yeah. So, I want you to tell us why we should be fans of the Miami Heat. Okay. I would say, if you want to be a fan of the Miami Heat, you know that you have a stable franchise so many like NBA franchises. Yes, so many <laughs> NBA franchises will throw away coaches, throw away GMs, throw away owners, and you look at something like the Lakers when you have Magic Johnson take over. It was actually quite a scene to watch because you had apparently an ultimatum uh, from one of the owners that we need to be back to prominence in three years. And if that doesn't happen, then we're going to have a complete, um, you know, uh, change of ownership, change of everyone who's in charge without really taking into account that you had Kobe Bryant on his last legs for two years. And then you have, you know, pretty much a team of a bunch of young players um, you're not really realistically going to get back to the place where they were in 2010 when they won the back-to-back championships. And, you know, can Magic Johnson be good? I think, of course, uh, they drafted well and they could potentially have the Rookie of the Year. But it's going to take a few years unless they do get Paul George. And I think even Paul George, you know, for all as good as he is, he's only been a third-team All-NBA player. But all that to say that the Miami Heat are a team and a franchise and a culture um, that knows what they're doing. They have a plan. They try to get their best out of their players, whether it's 
LeBron James or it's Dion Waiters or it's James Johnson or someone at the end of the bench. So they are unlike a lot of teams in that, you know, take let's take us back to, you know, 11 and 30. And I know some Heat fans are going to be mad at me because they say, you know, the Heat should have just packed it all up and, uh, and you know, tanked for the year. But you have a situation, they're 11 and 30. You look at the year, the year was supposed to be, okay, we, left, we lost D-Wade, let's see what Justice Winslow and Josh Richardson, our two rookies last year who are not going to be sophomores, do. You come into the year, Justice, Justice Winslow hurts his wrist, he's out for the year. Josh Richardson has an injury-plagued year, um, misses su- substantial time, and you could easily say, you know, let's just, you know, uh, we tried, but, you know, the season's over. Um, and, but what did they do? You had Eric Spolstra tell guys like Rodney Magruder, Luke Babbitt, Tyler Johnson, you know, people who you don't hear about, and they would play against the best teams in the NBA and went 30 and 11. Um, so that'd be my case to you that whenever you see Eric Spolstra, he's like a Tom Thibodeau. He's like someone who will always get the best out of his players, whether that's the big three era or whether it's a bunch of like nomads and young players. Um, and you have a steady hand. You have Eric Spolstra who is directly under the tutelage of Pat Riley. Um, and of course, you know, people have talked about, you know, that's really not the way that you win in the NBA. You need to be a part of the process and lose a lot of games, but, um, who knows how that'll turn out. Um, but that'd be my case to you that Eric Spolster is the player or is a coach who gets the most uh, out of his players. And if you want to see, uh, you know, players competing night in and night out than be a Heat fan. If somebody makes a better argument than you, I owe you a Coke. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be interested. I mean, I think some of them will be easy. Like, if you were going to try to convince someone to be a Warriors fan, I think it's pretty easy. Like, just be the fan of the team that's going to dominate the next decade. Yeah, but then that's like the the Yankees, Patriots, and the Red Wings all in one. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not not into that. Yeah, I mean, I will say it's interesting that there are about five people who I know who are Warriors fans that if I were to ask them five years back, they'd be like the Warriors. What's a <laughs> so, basketball? so it's, it's just, yeah. I mean like, it's like, a a, yeah, I mean, you know, they, well, they, yeah. The heat had the same kind of fans a few years ago though. I mean, there was that video that was on the internet where people were outside with pictures of like Eddie Jones and Ronnie Cycli and they're like, who are these guys? And like, the, there's these girls that are standing out there going, uh, is that Tim Hardaway? <laughs> well, that, okay. Well, that is not me. I know. So, I know. Yeah, I figured yeah, yeah. it wasn't. I wasn't, I was not implying it was Diego. I was not. <laughs> but every, every single team, when a team gets really good, I just feel there's just bandwagoners that just come out of the woods like nothing. Except for, except for Bulls fans where everyone's just like, you just like Jordan. And it's like, no, I just can't escape my past. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that, uh, that's actually a fair point. Like you look at why a lot of people like the Lakers and, and it's clear why they like the Lakers. 
But I guess it's just interesting because perhaps the Warriors weren't a team like the Lakers or the Celtics. They were a team that really did not have much success for years, and then they became a very good team really over the last two or three years. Um, and so then they have just this sudden upsurge in fans, and um, that I think that's why people treat it like that. And, you know, with the Heat, um, you know, they they had the years in uh, the 90s with the battles with the Knicks and the Alonzo Mourning and Tim Hardaway years, and then you had a couple years with Shaq. But you are right. I mean, they did have a lot of people who jumped on the bandwagon who were not fans of them. <coughs> uh, Rihanna. It, yeah, I mean, well, she is. She's a LeBron, a LeBron fan. James fan. She yeah. is. She's she not. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I know. So, yeah. I got a fun question for you, Diego. Okay, okay. he, we, at forty-eight minutes, we are big fans of the NBA Two K series, and I don't know if you heard, but they're doing all-time teams on this year's game. I did hear about that. Okay, so last night, Dwayne Wade tweeted out a picture of him and Shaq, and they are obviously are on the all-time Heat team. Who else would you like to see on here besides LeBron, besides Tim Hardaway, besides Bosh? Mm-hmm. I, I got two. I got two I can think of. Who can, who, can, who can you think of? Dan Marley and Jamal Mashburn. Okay. I, no, I didn't think of Ma- Mashburn. That's a good one. Diego, what do you think? I would put um, Eddie Jones I was on that of- list. Yeah, I think he is someone who was one uh, was their small forward shooting guard for many years. I'd also think of Karam Butler. Ooh, um, nice one. Yeah, he, he was someone who they drafted in, I think it was 2002. Um, and I know that this guy only was on the Heat... Uh, for one season, but Lamar Odom, I mean, that 2003-04 team that went 42-40 and 40, um, and went to the second round, he was actually the leader of that team. D-Wade was a rookie, um, but it was really him. And, of course, how could anyone forget Udonis Haslam has to be oh, on yeah. any what, I mean, when are they, when are they erecting the statue? Uh, he is going to well, he is, he is going to be, uh, uh, you know, an executive. He will have whatever he wants. He's going to number 40 is going up. He will have anything that he wants. Um, you know, born and bred in Miami, Florida, Liberty city. Um, and he has been with the heat his entire NBA career he is going up so you'd have to put ud on that list too what do you think about glenn rice oh yeah that is actually true he actually should definitely be on that list i I was thinking him i like ronnie cycli too but i doubt they're gonna get his licensing (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean the thing with glenn rice and ronnie cycli they were part of the heat team before pat riley got on board in 1995 um which is, I think, you know, if you want to put one marker down in the Heat history, definitely one of the most significant points in the franchise history. Um, but definitely, I, I would say Glenn Rice is probably, you know, top 10, if not top 5, Whoa. of Miami Heat players. 
I mean, possibly six. I like it. Yeah. I like Glenn Rice. Can we make a case for white chocolate to be on that team? No. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> my my two least favorite Miami Heat players are Jason Williams, aka White Chocolate, and Antoine Walker. I was gonna ask um, Walker. Those two players were like seeing everything that they would do, uh, you know, take ill advised shots, not play good defense. It was just a pain pain. Hey, hey they won a title there. It worked. Uh but, fine. But, I'll settle for Gary Payton. Okay, yeah, I mean Gary Payton. I mean he he was thirty seven when he was with the Heat. Um, He's basically but, yeah. barely alive. <laughs> yeah, I mean he he just came back for a couple big shots and and that was it. And and it was like okay, I can still do stuff as an NBA player, but yeah, I I don't really like thinking about those teams. I mean, you look back on it and. They they really should not have won that championship. <laughs> no, and they shouldn't have. But I was so they, happy when they did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's so interesting to think about because I just because a team wins a best of seven series doesn't mean that they're the best team. Um, like I don't think that the year that the Cavs won the championship that they were the better team. I think Ooh. you had Steph Curry who was hurt. You had a you had them. They had a three one lead in the. NBA Finals, which statistically, they should have won that. Don't, but don't you think that's more impressive, though? It is more impressive, but they were about to lose. But then, you, <laughs> yeah, okay. And then I sent I some LeBron well, hostility well, here. Well, 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 the Heat I, I, were about no, to lose. I will also say this. Shot. <laughs> yeah, I will also say this: that you could make a very good case that the Heat should not have won the 2013 NBA Championship. They were a Ray Allen miracle shot away from... I mean, they had brought out the ropes. Yeah. I mean... My favorite yeah. moment ever. So, I mean, but just just that, the 06 team was just... It was it was Dwayne Wade and Alonzo Mourning and UD and Shaq, who played well in a couple of those playoff rounds, but... Um, but yeah, but Antoine Walker and Jason Williams, no way in hell am I putting them on that list. <laughs> so let me get this question in because obviously, like we said, former resident Bulls fans, mm-hmm. will you guys take Dwayne Wade back? Um, well, it sounds like he wants a paycheck this year. Something um, like that. He just got one. A huge one. Yeah. He got <laughs> another one. $5 million for this year. Um, I think the case of him coming to the Heat is plausible after February when he can have a buyout when he's already gotten uh, X number of paychecks because I think NBA players are paid every two weeks. And so once he gets, um, you know, half of that $25 million paycheck, if he's able to work out a um, buyout. um, But I just think that's that's just so... Strange to me that, you know, last year they have Rajon Rondo and Dwayne Wade on the same team. You have someone like Rajon Rondo who has had weaknesses and uh, hasn't really turned any of those into strengths since he really got into the NBA. Um, so it was a very strange team that they 
put out there. And then, of course, you have uh, they almost, you know, upset the one seed in the playoffs. Um, but, yeah, it just seems like that team is totally going to um, blow it up and start over. About damn time. Uh, but I think the Heat might I, – I think if Dwayne Wade um, is okay with taking a buyout at midseason, then I think he could go to the Heat. Well, Diego, thank you again for joining us for this week's episode of 48 Minutes. The floor is yours. Where can the people of Earth, Wind, and Space find you on the internet? Yeah, so you can follow me at MBA, and you can also read me at Hot Hot Hoops. And I just think it's interesting. Do you always end your podcast after 48 Minutes, or did that just happen? First time. Both, okay both. okay yeah yeah yeah. i was just wondering that so yeah but that's where you can find me well this has been 48 minutes episode two the, or episode three jesus i'm, I'm <laughs> the miami heat season preview again you can find this at four eight minutes network.com where we have been updating the site with again the melvin begley uh reclassifying the WWE 2K18 roster reveal as part of 48 Minutes Games, along with seven minutes of NBA Live 18 demo footage, a LeVar Ball opinion piece, uh, summer pickup games, and Sean's top ten to watch. Again, also you can find our debut episode of Court Stormers with Shannon Miner and the dropping balls with Tim and Ben for the 1998 draft. Again, thank you, Sean. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Diego. And as always, hail Hayward and good night. <laughs>